0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, this is what a pleasure it is to see all of your faces. I think this is probably the most students I've seen on a quote-unquote, one-on-one basis since I've been here. So this is a pleasure for me, and hopefully it will be a delight for you to sit through, for those of you who have heard my story, (laughs) probably number three now. Um, But today is a a little bit of a different take on, you know, some of the previous talks that I've had uh, that have sort of focused on the cultural aspect of my experience and the intercultural aspect of my experience, but today I was charged with sort of giving my almost my life story my testimony or um, what brought me to this point in life and that is with me being several decades old <laughs> um, uh, that's a that's a no small feat to sort of package that in you know a riveting story that will interest you and in that you won't fall asleep on me if you notice your neighbor falling asleep we don't want any snoring we want to you know we want you to all be engaged because I do want you to take away um, some nuggets from what I say uh, we might come from different backgrounds clearly some of us you know we may not look alike we are the different ages we have different genders we are uh, we come from different backgrounds different experiences but I think what The common denominator that we all have as homo sapiens in the room is the fact that life happens, and that's the connecting factor, that no matter what your background is, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, uh, your gender, your job, your major, uh, whatever the case may be, and how God has made us beautifully diverse in this room, but life will happen. Uh, and that 's one thing that I hope that you take away from my story if you can 't directly relate to some of the things that I say that you will um, my prayer is that you will take some sort of seed and that it will resonate five years from now or even next year or ten years from now when you actually face some of the things that I talk about so that 's my prayer yeah. amen <laughs> um, so the if I had to have to be conscious of being close to my If I had to sort of summarize what my talk topic would be, and that's, again, that's tough to do, to kind of summarize what your testimony is. It is recognizing or seeing God in the detours, the distractions, and the disappointments of life. It's easy to see where God comes into play in the victories. Uh, It's sort of easy to praise him and to be enthusiastic about your faith when you're winning. Um, But as you know, there's no sun without rain, there's no summer without winter, uh, and there's just no up without down, and on and on. I don't have to keep giving the dichotomies. Um, And so what I want you to sort of have this recurring theme or title in your head is Recognizing God in the disappointments and the distractions and in the detours of life. So, my story begins. So, I'm from Toledo, Ohio, and I'm the youngest. Oh, <laughs> that has never happened. Um, and I'm the youngest of five children and would have been the youngest of six, uh, but my oldest brother passed away as a baby. And so we would have been the proverbial Brady Bunch, the black Brady Bunch. Uh, there were three girls, three boys, but unfortunately my brother passed and the Lord saw fit to take him back home with him. And so the last of five kids and had a great childhood. I mean, my parents, my, my childhood was pretty uh, traditional. Uh, my mom stayed home with the kids for a while and um, she worked some jobs, but for the most part, she stayed home with us. She was a homemaker and a, just, she has wings, honestly, and a halo. <laughs> um, but and my dad worked, he was a, a foreman at Chrysler for 35 years. And so he worked very hard. Dinner was on the table at six o'clock. I mean, it was like, you know, a sitcom. Dinner was on the table at six o'clock. And, you know, we all ate together. TV was off. God help you if you got a phone call during dinner because you were... It's like, please don't let it be for me. Please don't let it be for me. (laughs) When the phone would ring, because that was a standard that my dad and my, like my both my parents had. You know, dinner time is family time. Let's engage. You couldn't just sit there and not talk. You had to engage. You had to. How was your day? You know, it's like, how was my day? I don't even remember my day. But you had to engage, and I'm so grateful for that because. Uh, things have changed a little bit with how we engage. And so that kind of set the foundation. But uh, so I, I, well, let me back up and say, I would like to sort of tell this narrative in chapters. So obviously the chapters of my life are still being written, right? All of our chapters are still being written. But the chapters up until now, I would say there are about seven chapters. So the first chapter being Toledo, which I've kind of already gotten into a little bit. So that's chapter one, Um, and chapter two is uh, my first degree. So I kind of like to break these up, my life up into my degrees. Um, So the first chapter is my time in Toledo. The second chapter is going to be my time getting my bachelor's in sociology. Chapter three is going to be my time getting my bachelor's in finance and statistics. Chapter four is going to be my time getting my master's in business. And chapter five is going to be getting my PhD. Chapter six is going to be my, <laughs> right, my postdoc, which was the equivalent of getting another PhD, <laughs> the work that I put into it. And then chapter seven is my time as an assistant professor. And then also I'll talk about my certifications, uh, American College of Exercise certifications in personal training and fitness nutrition specialists. So though that's kind of like, That's the timeline, so kind of keep that in your head. Right. All right, so back to Chapter 1. So I'm in Toledo. I'm in grade school. My dad's a stickler for education. He kind of picks on me the most, which is annoying a little bit. But um, according to my father, retrospectively, I know all of the potentials in my children. And so I picked on you the hardest because I knew what was in you, and I wanted to bring blah, 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 blah. I wanted to bring it out of you, but I'm so glad that he did. Right? I'm, I, we're all glad. You know, you'll learn to appreciate some of the things your parents do to drive you batty. Um, so, but during grade school, I, I was. I was. I love school. I absolutely love school. I can't get away from school because I'm still here as an adult. Um, I love school, and for that, I didn't know that that could be a source of teasing or bullying. And when you get a good grade, or uh, and when you excel in a certain thing, obviously people are not always happy because they're not excelling in it. Uh, so they tend to tease you. So in grade school, I, got, I won't say I got bullied, but I did get teased and I hated it. And so my, name, my first name's Catrell, Cottrell and they call me Trailbrain. And I know that that sounds really like ridiculous now, but when you're in fifth grade, Trailbrain, 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 it's like and everybody jumped on the bandwagon. And so I really, really hated that as a, as a... I never go home crying, and, you know, I, I just couldn't stand it. So I became, just cliche, I became the class clown to try to divert away from the teasing. And it worked. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't have that story where it's like, oh, it didn't work. Um, but it actually worked. <laughs> and I ended up making friends. I don't know if any of you have seen the film Mean Girls. But... Um, <laughs> But kind of, like, I could take some scenes from that movie. Um, but uh, I ended up making friends with the people that teased me. And uh, we actually ended up becoming good. And actually, I'm still, like, Facebook friends with one of them that was the most relentless. Um, and so so that was, like, through grade school. And so that kind of shaped how I felt about education. It's like, you can do good, but just like don't tell anybody. You know, so just kind of secretly do good and, you know still try to be blended with everybody with cool kids but now you all this is kind of like an aside but you all live in an age you're so blessed because being smart is cool like it wasn't always cool (laughs) um but being smart is actually cool it it really is it gets you the good jobs and so it's like this little secret that people don't know um but anyway so and in grade school that happened, and so I kind of transitioned to high junior, junior high. That was great. Greatest two years. Had a blast. Um, did the honor societies and all of that. My father, my parents were literally at every single little ceremony I had, which I didn't, looking back now, it's like, wow, I can't believe that my parents showed up for, like, all these things when my dad worked like 16 hour days and he would like be there in the audience. and like, is it a hologram? Like, how are you here? And you just worked 16 hours. So he's this incredible man. Um, And so, so I got to high school and doing well in all honors classes. And then I fall in love. The distraction, right? Love's not always a distraction but most of the time, it's a synonym. Um, when you're in high school. When you're in high school, so that was the distraction. Like, I fell in love, oh goodness. I was just, just oh my goodness, cloud nine. <laughs> what am I gonna do when I go to school, when I go to college? Um, how is it gonna work? And so I was completely distracted. Thankfully, I never really let it distract me to the point where it sort of deteriorated my grades. To, to the point where I could still go to college while I was in high school. So I participated in the post-secondary options program where you take college courses while you're in high school. And that was pretty cool because I got to leave high school. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I went to class, but I mean, you know, you got to leave high school and that's always cool. And so, but I was still in love, still distracted. I go to college, which is chapter two. So chapter two is when I was pursuing my um, bachelor's in sociology. And so I will, I kind of have to say this, I graduated in 1995. Let's just get that out there. Everybody okay with that? No, I graduated in 1995. So when I got my bachelor's degree in sociology, now we're talking 95 to 99. And it was, it was okay. It's important for me to mention that I really didn't want to go to the University of Cincinnati. I'm grateful that I got the opportunity and that my parents paid for everything with four other kids in college out of pocket. Um, but I, my bro, oldest brother, he, was, he wanted to go to architecture school. University of Cincinnati was number three at the time in the nation for that. He went, and so my dad was like, okay, everybody's going to University of Cincinnati. And it was just <laughs> like... You know, and so that kind of dashed my dreams to go anywhere else. So I say that humbly because I was very grateful that my dad, you know, he was willing to do that. But I did have my heart was set on, you know, other places. And so so that's important because that will kind of explain why I tried to leave Cincinnati so many times. Um, So I'm getting my bachelor's degree in uh, in 1995. So 96 is when I joined Christ Emmanuel. And this was a pivotal decision for me because Christ Emmanuel Christian Fellowship in Cincinnati was like, I could could trace it back to so many opportunities that I had. It was a very artsy church. It was a very musical church. So I got to sing on albums, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. I got to sing on TV commercials, jingles, which was really fun and exhausting, surprisingly. Cause you're singing Total TV. Nice. I like you sing this 30 second jingle for like four hours, um, so it's not as glamorous as you think. But but I got to sing on commercials, I got to sing behind Trace Atkins, he's a country uh, music star. Um, I got to sing behind Michael McDonald um, on Off Broadway Play. So, all of these things came out of joining Christ Emanuel. So, that's why I, I say it was like a really, really big decision at the time that I didn't know how big it was. And so, um, but I was still distracted and so in love with my high school sweetheart who was all alone back in Toledo, lonely without me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I dropped out of school because I was so distracted, right? And it was a, and all of these things that When I say seeing and recognizing God and the distractions, the disappointments and the detours, because he's there, even though you think you're going off course or even though when I dropped out of college, I dropped out of college. It was like the most disappointing thing to my father. And it was the worst to see the disappointment in his face. Um, But I did drop out for a year and I came. Long story short, I came back to um, college. Obviously, (laughs) I came back and I but I was discontent, Um, so I tried to, I applied to NYU to go to business school because I wanted to go into music business because at the time I was doing all these musical things and I was like, oh wow, I got a head for business, I could be in the music industry. God said no. So I applied to NYU, got waitlisted. There's the disappointment. And then I applied, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, me and my best friend at the time, she wanted to go to Belmont. I was like, I'll go to Belmont in Tennessee to go to music business, got in, no funding. I was like, second disappointment. I was like, oh, okay, here's another opportunity. This is over the course of years. Um, And me and William McDowell, I don't know if anyone knows who William McDowell is, but (laughs) um, I give myself away, he sings that song. Anyway, we were best friends at the time um, because he came out of Christ Emmanuel. (laughs) He came out of Christ Emmanuel. And so we were really good friends at the time. And so he's like, let's go to full sale. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best idea in the world. I don't want to be in Cincinnati. I'll go to full sale. I'll try again. Three times is the charm. You know, I'm trying to like put it all out in the atmosphere. Got in, no funding. Because you're like completely out of pocket at full sale. So clearly, you see where that took him. <laughs> and I was angry because I was like, Lord, you know, what is going on? Why do you keep saying no? Why do you keep... Why do you keep me ball and chain here in Cincinnati? Um, and so you it's important to, I didn't know at the time, because I was you, you all's age, younger actually. Um, but I had to recognize how, I didn't know how to be quiet and hear the Lord. The Lord actually doesn't yell. He doesn't uh, write things on the wall that I know of anymore. If you see things written on the wall, I don't know if you should tell anyone. Um, but that was a miracle at one point. I'm not denying the power of of miracles. Um, but he usually speaks in a whisper. He speaks in intimate moments. He speaks with unctions and urges and a gut feeling. And, um, he's in your, in your knower. Um, so it's something like, I don't, I can't explain it. I just know. And and those are the moments where God is generally talking to you and kind of guiding you and nudging you. And when you get off detoured, He'll say, oh, "Kind of go this way." But I didn't know that. I didn't have those tools at the time. That's why you're so blessed to be to have this admonition is to recognize God in the detours of your life. And when He keeps saying no, when you keep trying to go this way, and God is like, "No, I'm sorry." I'm not, I love you too much to take you all the way to New York at 20 years old by yourself. (laughs) Um, I love you too much to take you all the way to Florida, you know, by yourself. Uh, So, um, I have to get to my other chapters here. Um, So, that was, that was chapter two, uh, my sociology. So, I ended up graduating begrudgingly with my bachelor's of sociology um, degree. And, I moved back to Toledo because I was so distraught without my high school sweetheart. Oh my goodness. Well, remember when I said, because I thought he was lonely and they're you know, thinking about me? Oh, he wasn't. So he, you know, he was with someone else. And so I was like, oh, oh gosh, heartbreak. Um, and I'm really minimalizing this, but it was devastating at the time because I, I picked up and moved everything after I graduated and bolted back to Toledo and God said no. This is not the direction that I want you to, and I hate to reveal it to you this way, and I hate to give it to you through tears, but you know sometimes that 's the only way i 've knocked i 've rapped on the door i 've whispered to you i 've given you signs i 've spoken to you through your family or through friends i' you 've seen a sign here you 've seen this small phrase on a television show. You've seen your friend go through this and this and this and that. I've spoken to you every single type of way. Sometimes I have to talk to you through your tears, and that was really, really um, painful. <laughs> so, literally within a week, I came back. I moved back to Cincinnati, and um, so now it's 1999, 2000, and I'm working for a social services agency called the Exodus program, where we help people go from welfare to work. I I mean, it was something to do. I mean, it was implementing my degree, um, but I wasn't really satisfied. So I still had this business itch in my head. So I went back to school from 2001 to 2003 to go into chapter three, and I got my bachelor's in finance. And it really wasn't anything that I was married to about finance. It was just, I want to go to business school. Let me pick the hardest major that they have. So I picked finance. And it was really not inspired at all. Um, But I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I did. Um, And so in chapter three is when I I sort of kind of was getting my – Traction, my head on straight, sort of, <laughs> um, getting over a breakup and getting my head in the game of, okay, what do I want to do with my life? This is career time. And um, and so I before I even graduated, I secured a position at Fifth Third Bank in their rotational program. Uh, and you can kind of rotate in all these different areas and choose where you want to go at the end. I worked there for about a year. And uh, then I transitioned over to National City Bank, which was then bought out by PNC in 2008, during the crash, um, or the recession, or whatever you want to call that, that time frame. Um, Nevertheless, banks were just kind of falling apart, and uh, we were absorbed by PNC Bank. And then, I, in that time, I got married. And I know that's like, (laughs) wait a minute, you went from heartache, but there's like years in between this. So I got married, and I was married at the time, and it wasn't God-inspired. we sort of make uh, detours. Now, this is the capital D with italics and maybe bold, like a detour in life. Um, But God will use the detours. There's so much that I can say that I have to, like, abbreviate, but God uses every—he's so not wasteful. He's the best recycler of all. I mean, he's like the big— green bin. Um, he will recycle everything. He takes everything, even like styrofoam um, and uses it. The, <laughs> the styrofoam in your life. That's, that'll preach. Um, and so, um, <laughs> and so I got married and I was, I was working and then boom, I get laid off. It's like, really? I, I left my job. I left 5th, 3rd to come here and then I get laid off. So um, I ended up miraculously finding another position within the company and more so out of security and fear of leaving and starting what I knew that I wanted to do or even just that process of discovering what else I wanted to do because I was a little discontent there. Um, But I ended up staying and um, it it was okay but I ended up meeting my boss that I would have a relationship with from then which was like 2006 or so. Till now, I mean, I mean, I still talk to Nick and he's I still touch base with him every now and then. Um, And so just like I said, like God will use these detours to give you, you know, one of the things that grow grew out of it was a lifelong professional mentorship with um, my boss at the time. Um, And so that was awesome. So uh, there was. I ended up working for working in treasury management for about a year, and I went over, that was corporate banking, and then I went over to retail banking, the branches, which is like a complete, it's like going from, well, I won't say that on camera, um, but <laughs> but that was interesting. That was like, wow, I okay, I'll give you back this overdraft fee, just please let my neck go. But um, but yeah. So that was very, very interesting, very fun. I met um, wonderful people, and I'm exaggerating on it. So you know, don't be afraid to ask for your uh, overdue to be overturned. Um, and so it was. It was great. It was. Uh, but I. But it was something that I was. Oh, I was having marital problems. That's that's what the catalyst was for me to transition. Um, and so I was having marital problems, and I ended up getting divorced. Another shameful thing that I, you know, first it was going to Toledo. That was embarrassing and coming back. Then it was getting married and getting divorced. And that was another thing of public shame um, that I was carrying uh, instead of letting Christ carry the shame, which is what he did on Calvary. But I was still like picking up the cross and carrying my shame. Um, And so I got divorced and I said, okay, I got a newfound freedom. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to go back to med school. I forgot to say that I originally came to Cincinnati to go to med school. Um I'm going to go back to med school and do this thing. I'm going to become a physician and I'm going to help people, you know, uh get better physically and and all that. Well, that didn't Quite happen that way. Um, I was going to go to the military, and, and I know you guys are like, what? But the military was pay for my medical school, and but it turns out I had a pre-existing condition that the military was like, no, sorry, you, you can't, we don't want you, basically. Um, and I was like, really? So that kind of dashed medical school but I had an angel come into my life. Her name was Laura Hildreth. And so she, we were talking, and she was like, well, do you know about the PhD programs in the medical school? I mean, it's not just MD. And so I was like, oh, you know, turns out with that detour in life, I ended up meeting Laura, who ended up introducing me to the PhD. I didn't even have any knowledge of the PhD programs in the medical school. She's like, oh, Yeah we have one more slot left in the biomedical flex options program. We pick four students where you can get um, admitted into all the programs and you rotate in all the programs. And then at the end, you choose which program you wanna go into, similar to Fifth Third. She's like, but the caveat is you have to get accepted by everybody and you gotta give me all your information in two weeks. Like your CV, your personal statement, you have to take the GMAT, you have to like prepare for this interview. Uh, your personal essay and I was like two weeks lord come on um I said but you know what I'm gonna put my cape on I can do it and I did it and God is I'm telling you God is he will show up and give you I mean superman strong strong man strength I mean from from somewhere that you don't even know you have the reserves to do so I, I looked at the GMAT, I took it cold, like I took it in like two days. And I was like, Lord, normally I don't ask you for this because I am a studier, <laughs> but I need your help. And so I ended up getting in, getting it, going to the panel interview, getting admitted to all the programs, getting into the biomedical flex options program, that one last slot that she had before they sent the money back to the government, because they couldn't find, they couldn't find a fourth person. And I was like, well, that's because you were waiting on me. Um, and so that's how I got my Ph.D. through all of these twists and turns. Like I would have never even thought to get my Ph.D. It wasn't even on my radar. But through all of the detours and all of the disappointments of not being admitted into other programs and all of the distractions of relationships and divorce and all those other things, God ended up using the styrofoam in my life. Um, and recycled it to give me. Uh, this is like truly simplifying it, but recycling all to give me the strength and the fortitude that I would need to make it through that PhD program, because it was it's it, it was very difficult. I will say that <laughs> because my funding got cut off in the fourth year, and they said, "Sorry, we have no more money for you. What you have to get done in five years, you got to get done in four years." And what people normally take, five to seven, that's the range. Sorry, you have to get it done in four years or I don't know what to tell you. So I literally got my entire, three years of work done in one year. Needless to say, I never slept, which is why one of my research fields is sleep, is the value of sleep, but I did not sleep. And there was a season where I didn't sleep and that's not okay. That's like sleep, like that's not okay not to sleep. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just putting that on the mic um but there was a season where I had to where I asked I said Lord you know you got to give me some strength from somewhere I need I need something and I don't know why you're taking me through this I don't know why you cut my funding off again um because there was a little bit of anger that wanted to kind of creep in like I know some of my students that came in with me at the same time had seven years they were like still I don't even know if they they had like seven years to complete their their education. I said, Lord, why four? Why are you giving me four years? And it was and I gently heard him say, because I know you can do it. I know you. I need you out to line you up with your postdoc opportunity. And if you don't finish in four years, that window will pass. And I was just like, but but but. <laughs> you know cuz we wanna have the tantrums when we you know retrospectively we do at the time we're just like lord why is it not working out for me but he revealed that to me like if you if, and it was it was amazing cuz i happened to meet i happened to meet my, my pi of my postdoc she um sort of took a shot on me like she didn't know me she had never heard of me she hadn't heard my she hadn't seen my research I didn't have as many publications as I should have had to get something as prestigious as a postdoc at the NIHS National Institute of Health Environmental Health in North Carolina. It's very competitive it's very fast-paced it is all about publications um, it is very research heavy and I wasn't exactly qualified going into it I I, I wasn't I will not say that I wasn't but God's favor. And, and I'm telling you, God, <clears throat> when God blesses you and says that's your door, there is nothing that anyone. There's no, no force. There's no person. There's no hater. There's not even your family, your friends. Not even a, a, a professor. There's not administrative people <laughs> in financial aid, even though you think they're like, you know, this is against. This is like the enemy. <laughs> you know, um, there's nothing that any can do to close a door that God has opened. And there's nothing there is nothing that anyone can do or not even you to open a door that God has shut. And it would behoove you and it will save you a lot of time to realize it, to say, okay Lord, when I experience a detour in my life, when I experience a disappointment, when I'm doing everything I'm supposed everything my neighbor's doing, she you know she got her PhD. She got the postdoc, she got the publications, she got, you know, this, she got that, she did the speaking engagement, I did the speaking engagement, point for point. And it's like, well, why am I not hearing from anybody? Or why am I not getting that same opportunities? And it's and you have to quiet your mind and say, okay, this is very disappointing, Lord. It's okay to say that. Because I, I said it plenty of times, like, Lord um let's have a let's have a moment let's have a talk. <laughs> I love you, and let's get that out of the way, but we need to talk. but what would be what I want you to walk away with and i'll and I'll close with this I want you to walk away with out of all the disappointments that I had in my life and i and I named them disappointments and written i loosely named them disappointments because now they were opportunities and i've learned i've lived over four decades to know that those are opportunities and not disappointments. But I named them disappointments because at the time they were. I named them detours, but at the time I was still on GPS. GPS, you're never lost. Because it's just going to tell you to go rerouting, rerouting, and no matter how many times you make a right turn, when it's suddenly you make a left rerouting. It may take you longer, but you're never off the path. You're never off the path. The satellite's still watching you, unless you're like in Area 51 or something. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> I love science fiction. But anyway, um, but you're never off the path. And the detours, the disappointments, the distractions can, can really, really kind of get you off course. But God is in all of them. If you just quiet your mind, take some time, meditate, take a Sabbath, I'm studying that too, the value of taking a Sabbath. Take the Sabbath, journal, pray, meditate, run, do whatever you need to do to hear God's voice because you are embarking upon the next phase, the next chapter of your life. And I'm excited to see what's going to be on your card. So...